last weekend we had our annual uh, church picnic and we had a great time. We had a couple campfires going and I'll tell you what, those fires had Elisa Walker not been present to keep stirring up the coals and adding fuel to the fire, they would have just gone out, all right? But, but for those who came uh, and wanted to, to, to uh, roast some marshmallows or hot dogs, uh, Elisa kept that fire kindled. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, you may want to turn there. We're going we're gonna to hang out there pretty much for the morning. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Timothy was like a son to Paul, and Timothy was the pastor at the church in Ephesus. He, he uh, had walked with God since a child. His mother walked with God. His grandmother walked with God. You know, don't, don't, don't say what some people say. My kids, you know, my kids probably won't walk with... No, 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 no. Your kids will walk with, the, with God. They'll be blessed of the Lord, amen? And, uh, and so, so Timothy was like a son to Paul in the ministry, and Paul wrote him two different letters and encouraged him, gave him some instruction, told him how to, how to keep things going. But, but if you look at 2 Timothy and the first thing, 2 Timothy chapter 1, so this is kind of the lead off, right? Paul's like, here's, here's what I, why I wrote you the letter to start with. I just had to get this off my chest and let you know. Look at verse 6. And we'll read 6 and 7, but we're going to just stay on 6 for a bit. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And, and Paul's saying to him, but first of all, let, let's, let's, let's look at this. Do you see that those two verses are connected? Back up to verse 1. It, it, it says... Kindle afresh, right? Verse 1, the first one, which is uh, 6. Thank you, the first verse I meant, not verse 1. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. You see that? Look up there, or if you look in your Bible. but Which is in you through the laying of my hands. Keep going. For, which means that's connected to the previous. You see that? It isn't just a new thought. So, so Paul's telling him, you need to stir up the gift that's in you because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. What he's saying there is if you don't keep yourself stirred up, and, and back up to verse 6 again. For this reason, I remind you, is God going to do it for you? No, he's not. I'm just going to tell you that right now. He's not going to stir up the gift for you. It says, I remind you. Timothy, you, Faith Family Church attendee, you, Pastor Dave, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. So if you're walking in fear, you're not kindling up, you're not keeping that gift kindled. He's not giving you a spirit without power, because if you're walking without power, you need to get that, that gift inside of you kindled up again. Just like Elisa kept that fire going at the picnic, praise the Lord. I went out there late and cooked a couple extra hot dogs. My wife was like, these hot dogs are actually really, really good. What are they? Yeah, we'll put in an ad for Hebrew National. Anyway, all right, moving on. <laughs> and a bunch of people were out there, you know, burning marshmallows, you know, little mini torches walking around <laughs> Vallas. But anyway, actually, uh, I'm, I'm probably the one who's the worst at that. But anyway... 
You know, the, the, the implication of that verse is, is that, you know, if we're not stirring up, we could walk in timidity and cowardice and weakness and not walk in love. And you know what? We can, any of us can slip back into those things. And, and I hate to say it that way, but we have to watch ourselves. And that's why Timothy was told by Paul to keep on his guard, to keep on his guard, because he didn't want him walking in those things. Do you remember David, King David in the Old Testament, that, that before he was king, he was already anointed king. He was already told he was the king. But he wasn't sitting on the throne yet, if you go back and read it. King Saul was still on the throne, but David had been anointed king. So was he king? Absolutely, he was. But he wasn't on the throne yet. And so he and his men had, had, had uh, moved into a city called Ziklag, and they'd gone out to fight a battle somewhere else. And while they were gone, Ziklag was attacked, and his wives and children and all the men's wives and children and possessions, everything was taken. And, and so when the men got back, the city was empty. And the men talked about stoning David and killing him. And, and what does it say that David did? If we were to look there, you can put it in your notes if, if you want. But, but what it says is that David, he didn't try to talk him out of it. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, do you see that? He strengthened himself in the Lord. And then it says he went and inquired of the Lord. See, David kept it where it belonged between him and God. He was king, all right? And, and God had given him a call, told him what his future was. He wasn't really actually worried. He was discouraged in his heart and in his mind because the men wanted to kill him. But he was like, no, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord and I'm going to, I'm going to go to God with this, Okay. Because, see, that's what we don't do enough. You know, life can just knock us around. Hello? Ever been knocked around by life? You know, these last couple of years have been difficult in our nation and difficult in the whole world, really. And, uh, and, and life can knock us around. But, but if we don't look to him, see, we got to stir ourselves up, folks. You know, I, I, uh, I, I knew a, a guy... Who, who, and he told me this, I was young, I was in my 20s, but it's always stuck with me because I thought, that is so cool. He said I, he, has an, he, ha, he was fortunate enough to not uh, work in a cube farm. He actually had an office with a door. He said about three times a day, I walk over, shut the door, go back and sit on my chair and put my hands up and just start worshiping the Lord. Well, you know what? That's stirring yourself up. That's keeping your mind where it really needs to be on the things it really should be on and not just on, you know what? I can guarantee you, if you did that, and I don't do that every day, obviously, but, but well, it's not obvious, but I'm just going to tell you, I will be honest with you, I don't do that every day, but you know what, when you do that, you become more focused, more productive, more joyful, more able to deal with anything that smacks you in the head that day, you're ready, but you know, we don't do that, we, we just, oh... I can't wait till this day's over because this one's a tough one. Yeah, you know, Eeyore. <laughs> Eeyore was never my favorite character in Winnie the Pooh. I was a big Pooh fan when I was a kid, but <clears throat> Eeyore was not the one I wanted to hear about, all right? 
and I'm Eeyore enough, I don't want to be around Eeyores. I've never, I've never really enjoyed being around people who always, you know, the glass was half empty. You know, I was always ready for, for the people who were ready to attack life and go for it, because I was like, that's how I want to be. I want to be like that. But, but God wants you ready for everything. I think I, think I, I, uh, I maybe shared that scripture uh, out of, out of uh, gotta think, 1 Corinthians maybe. Anyway, where, where it says, if, if you cleanse yourself from all the bad stuff, you're going to be a good, you're going to have all the good stuff in you, and you're going to be prepared for any good work. I'm getting away from my notes here. I have that in my notes somewhere, but I, I can't look that up. But, but do you see that? Don't you want to be ready? Yeah. I want to be ready. You know, they, they say you should keep, in the wintertime, you should keep a blanket and a, a, a first aid kit and all this stuff in your trunk and be ready, okay? Well, how many people do that? Very few people. Now, I know a guy years ago, he, he was driving on I-80 and in the middle of a winter storm. His car went off the road, went down into a ditch. The storm was just blasting. He ended up being there for two days. He had super severe frostbite. He nearly died. Was he ready for that? No, not in any way, shape, or form was he ready for that. But, you know, we think, well, yeah, but that'll never happen to me. Well, you know what? We don't know what's going to happen to us, but if we keep our gifts stirred up, we're going to be ready for anything. You're, uh, we, have a, uh, we have a junk drawer in our kitchen. I, I hope you don't, but we do. And, uh, and who knows what you may find in that junk drawer. But uh, usually, I can, I can, you know, it's got pens and pencils and tape, and, you know, it's got paraphernalia from the dog and random screws that were found on the floor that came out of only God knows what piece of furniture. And... Uh, you know, you, you have one of these decks of cards, uh, random little notebooks that we write notes on. It, it's just full of junk, but the thing you want is probably near the bottom somewhere. And if you're going to find that thing, you've got to stir up the whole drawer and dig through it and find it. But you know what? That, if we will dig through and stir up that gift, we're going to find ourselves going, oh, oh yeah, that's right. I have that in me. Do you ever just go to read the word? Out here, this I'll tell on myself. But have you ever gone to read the word and you're like, I don't feel like reading this today? Yeah. yeah. See, see, we need to stir ourselves up. You know what I do? I just start saying this. Somebody told me this and it works for me. I just start saying, God, I love your word. I love your word. I love your word. Pretty soon I'm all stirred up on the inside and I can't wait to open this thing and read. All right, but, but you know what? If you just go by your feelings... You know, if you just go by your feelings, you're going to gripe at your spouse and kick the dog and, you know, want to go to bed early or just turn on the TV and mindlessly watch, you know, reruns of Blue Bloods or something, you know, until your brain is numb and then you go to bed. No, that's not life, okay? God wants you to have life. He wants you to have abundant life. But, but that's not life. But we got to keep ourselves, we got to keep ourselves stirred up. I, I'll tell you a story. Lord reminded me of this during worship, so it's a, a, a story that Brother Hagen told, and I, I love this so much. He was sound asleep in bed about three in the morning, and, uh, 
and somebody was suddenly at his door, beating on the door, ringing the doorbell, beating on the door. So he, you know, it's pitch black. He got out of bed. He slammed his foot and toe against the side, the bed, the foot of the bed. So now he's in pain, hobbling to the door to see who it is. And there is a lady from his church at the door. And she's crying. And she is upset. And she says, I just, God's left me. God has left me. I know he's left me. And he's like, come in as he hobbles in, and, and, and he goes, okay, well, what happened? What did you do? And she just looks at him, shocked. I didn't do anything. He's like, what do you mean? She's like, I just know he's left me. I just feel that he's left me. And he's like, oh, three in the morning, you had to come to my house to tell me something that is not possibly true. The one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you, did not leave you. He did not abandon you. He said to her, though, in the course of it, he goes, all right, you watch me. He goes, I'm tired. I was sound asleep. I just hurt my toe. But you watch my face. And he put his hands up, and he just started worshiping the Lord. And, and you know, all of a sudden, he knew. He got his mind off of himself, off of his toe, off of the fact that he had been awakened needlessly at 3 in the morning and was just praising the Lord and and, and he, he said to her, he goes, what did, what did you see? He goes, well, you put your hands up, and after about three sentences, your face, whole face lit up. He's like, yep, because I got my mind on the, on the Lord. And he said, you do that. She goes, I don't know. He left me. No, he didn't leave you. Put your hands up, and, and boom, three sentences in, her face lights up. She's like, oh, oh. Caught her off guard. But see, see, we get, our heads can get us in trouble. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. How many of you would like to have power in your life? Amen. How about a sound mind? Amen. How about lots of excessive love? You know, you've got it already. <laughs> you've got it already, but we got to stir that up. Hello? You know, the drama and clutter of life can far too easily bury what's really important, like, you know, the thing you need to find in that junk drawer is buried. But, but you know what? It's there. It's still there. He hasn't left you. Yeah, but I sinned. And I don't. Okay, really? Okay. Okay. So confess it and move on. All right? But, but he hasn't left. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's not mad at you. He's not frustrated with you. He's not thinking, gosh, I wish, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pick on Leanne. I wish Leanne would do more. You know, I've been talking to her and she's just not doing it. No, no, see, that isn't how God looks at us. We got to encourage ourselves in the Lord like David did. You know, is it fair that Christians should have the most abundant lives? Absolutely. Because anybody who wants to join us can just jump in and have the same abundant life. But I'm telling you, God has promised us abundant life. And as we, as we live, we can love and serve God. We can value people. We can love our families, love our friends. Amen. Look out for our neighbors. We try to keep an eye on our neighbors. Do you do that? We work hard, play hard. You know, sometimes you just need to put away your cell phone and turn off the TV and, and, uh, and just live a little bit. 
You know, we don't have to try to escape from life sometimes. I mean, there's times when you just need to be, do something mindless. We'll say that at home. It's like, yeah, I just need to do something kind of brainless for a few minutes. So, so we'll, you know, maybe watch something on TV. But, but, you know, the Lord taught me this years and years ago. You know, I, I was probably 21, and I was an avid reader growing up. Uh, I still love to read. Uh, sometimes, you know, like Leanne and I'll both read right before we go to sleep. We'll, we'll take, get out a book and read for a minute or two or 10 or 20. But, but uh, and we read the word together in the evening. But, and, and, and don't go home and tonight and elbow your spouse and go, see, they read the word together. What do we do? Okay, none of that. Okay, we don't do that. All right, but, but you know, my, uh, we, have, we, we know people, they get up in the morning and pray together, you know, but that doesn't mean that works for your schedule. We understand that, all right? But, but my, my point is, is that, that I, I love to read, but when I was young, the Lord taught me this. He said, you know, when you're with people, put the book down. People are more important than your book. I'm not talking about the Bible. You understand that. I'm just talking about a book, right? People are more important than your book. People are more important than your phone. You know, we, we go into restaurants all the time and see couples sitting at a table, and they're both on their phones. Are you kidding me? Really? Really? Throw that thing away. Uh, no, I don't mean literally throw it away. And hey, we've probably done it for a minute, but don't sit there in the restaurant for the entire hour and a half you're there and look at your phone for crying out loud. Live life. You know, life is about our relationships. It's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationships with each other. It's about people. I've, I've said this before, but my, my friend uh, who's an evangelist was in, uh, I think, New York City. And the Lord said to her, look around, what do you see? And she goes, well, I see this building. He, goes, he just stopped her and he said, I see people. I see people. And as you stir yourself up, as you keep yourself stirred up, you're going to find yourself more and more focused on the Lord, on what's important to him, on what's important to you. Hello. We can get off on that. We can get off on, I know what's most important to me, but I can get off on thinking about other stuff. All right, you know, and, and I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just encouraging you to live life. You know, carpe diem, seize the day, grab hold of everything that God has for you and, and walk with it. All right, back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. For this reason, verse 6, for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The New King James says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear instead of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Amplified says, God did not give us, I like this, a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and a well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. I like that. See, everything that we would want, calm, no fear, power, peace, love, a clear head. How many of you have ever thought, gosh, I just wish I had a clear head? Yes, I have been there. We've all been there. But God doesn't want you walking in that, okay? You know, the opposite of fear is boldness. God wants you bold in every situation. Now, that doesn't mean 
that, that, uh, that you're going to be rude. Do you understand? It's not an in-your-face, hyper-opinionated, I don't care about anything but myself kind of boldness. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about boldness of knowing who you are in Christ. Well, who are you in Christ? You're the righteousness of God. You're the representative of God on this planet. If you're born again, you've asked Jesus into your life, you know, whether you feel like it or don't feel like it, you're the representative of God. You know, the Bible says this. <laughs> the Bible says that someday we as Christians are going to judge angels. What that tells me is that he's got a lot of work to do in me. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, but God wants you to be bold and realize Hello, who you are. The Bible says that we're going to rule. Hello. What does that mean? Well, I don't know yet, but uh, in time, God will explain what that means. But, but did you, you think he lied? No, I don't think he lied. Everything, in the, everything he said in his, work, in his word is just happening, just like he said it was. You know, we've, been, we were, we're, we've been reading in Daniel, and you're like, you know, these things are starting to unfold right before our eyes. You know, the end times, we're in those days. And it's just unfolding, just like God said it would. So if he said we're going to be rulers, if he said we're going to judge angels, then, then we're going to do that. But what he said in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, is he said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. You know, when, when, you, know, when you walk as an adult, when you walked, if your parents were still living, and you walked into their house, you didn't have to, hey, mom, can I open the refrigerator and look in there and see if you got any Butterfinger bars left? Because, uh, because I didn't have to ask, okay? I, I was just bold. I just walked in and did it. And that's what God wants from you. God wants you to boldly, it says, to enter, come before him boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, who needs mercy except somebody who's done something they shouldn't have done? And who needs grace except those of us who are Christians and are walking with God and want to, want to walk in love and power and a sound mind? Okay, we need that grace. We need, we need his presence with us, like we were singing earlier. We need his presence with us so that we can go and face anything that comes at us. All right. You know, God doesn't want you backing down from anything. Now, there's times to the best thing you could do is not say a word. I, I went to see a friend of mine who's backslidden, not living for the Lord at all. And uh, I, I went to see him. And, and after I left, he, he said to his wife, he goes, he didn't say one thing about going to church. Well, the Lord stopped me. Why would he do that? Because he, he knew the guy was he was all ready for me. He was ready with ammunition. He was going to let me have it. As soon as I said one thing about God or church, so I didn't say, I, the Lord just stopped me. I didn't say a word. <laughs> hey, you know what? Got him thinking. God's at work. It's not my job. It's not your job to fix people. It's not your job to tell people how to live. It's not your job to do anything. But you know what? God will have you be a witness, it says. I, I've, you know, when he, he filled us with the Spirit so we could be witnesses. What is a witness? That means somebody who tells other people what they know and what they saw and what they experienced, right? That's what a witness is. I was driving down I-80 back a few years ago, and uh, a trailer came off of a truck. And, and the trailer and truck are here, and there's a motorcycle right here. And the trailer, 
started sliding over and the motorcycle kept sliding over and sliding and sliding and, and he couldn't speed up or get away from it and pretty soon he's in the ditch and the trailer's tumbling and he's tumbling and I was right behind it. I saw the whole thing. So what did I do? I pulled over, waited till the police got there. A couple days later, I, I, uh, I got a phone call from the guy the, who had been driving the motorcycle. He goes, well, it says in the police report you saw the whole thing. I'm like, I did. He goes, well, the insurance company is saying that I chose to drove into the ditch and therefore they shouldn't have to pay anything. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I said, I'm here if you need me because I was a witness. I saw the whole thing. Well, I never heard from him again, so I assume they changed their tune a little bit. But, uh, you know, insurance companies. Anyway, they're not all like that. But uh, some of them are, apparently, since I got that phone call. But... Uh, as a witness of God, you don't have to tell people uh, you don't have to tell people stuff you don't know. Tell them what you do know. You know, well, I don't know much. Well, that's okay. Tell them what you do know. You're saved, aren't you? Yeah, you could tell them that. That's good. That's a good start. You could tell them God loves you. You could say, Hey, I got a good church. You want to come with me? You know, I I don't know what you want to say. But but the thing is, is that God wants you prepared for every good work. He wants you not walking in fear. Amen. Turn over to Luke chapter 11. We're talking about boldness here, which is the opposite of fear, which is what God wants you to walk in. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, all right? Luke chapter 11, starting with verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. From inside he answers, Go away. <laughs> Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence... He will get up and give him as much as he needs. That word persistence, they have a little trouble translating that. The best translation of that is importunity, which we'll get to in a minute. But because of his shamelessness in asking, his boldness, his confidence, or other translations of it, the guy's going to get out of bed and get him some food and get him away from his door so he can go back to bed. All right? Now, if as humans we're willing to do all that, how much more is God who doesn't go to bed? He neither sleeps nor slumbers, the Bible tells us. He is ready 100% of the time to hear from you. He is not going to be grumpy. He's not going to be in bed. He's not going to be asleep. He's not going to be unavailable. He's not going to refuse to answer his phone. He's not going to be any of those things. He's totally available, totally ready to hear. Can't wait. It says, he just told us, you know, we just read, come boldly into the throne room. He wants you to just come. You know, don't come, oh, God, I know I screw up all the time, Lord, and I know I'm probably the stupidest child, yeah, but I need help. No, no, no. You know what? He's forgotten all that. Every mistake you ever made, he forgot about. And, and he made you. He, he made you perfect in his eyes. Yeah, but I'm not as much as this. Okay, really? If you start comparing yourself to other people, you're never going to be okay with you. 
because because you're going to be ridiculous like I've been in the past and and you're going to just beat yourself up and think well I'm too this or I'm too that or I'm not enough this or not enough that and and pretty soon you're not going to have anything you know you're not you're just going to be <clears throat> all right you know God made you David said I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and 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 that's you too and and so we don't hang our heads you know if we messed up okay you messed up so confess it and move on you know, but, but don't hang your head and feel like you're less than when you're not, because God has made you more than, more than a conqueror, above and not beneath, the head and not the tail. Whether you feel that way or not is totally irrelevant. You are that way, and, and God sees it, and so he doesn't want you coming into his presence like... Or some people just won't even go talk to him. They won't even come into his presence because they feel so sin conscious and so guilty and so full of shame. You know what? Let it all go. He wants to talk to you. He can't wait to see you. He can't wait till you come into his presence and talk to him. So, so that word, yet because of his persistence, the, the best word is importunity. And we don't use that word in the English language much. And most people wouldn't even know what that was. But let's just say it this way. And, and this is not the best explanation probably for it. But I'm going to say it this way. We all know what an opportune is, right? Opportune time. You know, there's an opportune time to, uh, you know, like the opportune time to put in an air conditioning system is in the winter time when you don't have to live without any air conditioning for a couple days. See what I'm saying? You know, if they put it in in the winter, ah, no harm done, right? But does that make sense? You know, the, the, uh, you know, the, uh, on the farm, you know, they say make hay while the sun shines, you know. The opportune time to bale hay is when the hay is dry and not too dry, but dry, and, and you bale it up, right? There's an opportune time. It's the perfect timing. Importune is, it's important, but the timing is really, really, really bad. Does that make sense? All right. You know, it's like that lady showing up at Brother Hagen's house in the middle of the night. Okay, was it important that she get that dealt with in her life and realize that God hadn't left her? Yes. The timing, not so good. You see? So, so because of his importunity, though, because it was important that the guy needed food to feed his guest and the neighbor knew it, he got himself out of bed and dealt with it. See, God's going to do, he's going to rise up and help you anytime you need help. He's going to be there for you. He's going to not drop the ball. That isn't what he does. You know, with people, timing is everything, right? You know, we don't want people calling too early in the morning. We don't want them calling too late at night, right? Isn't that right? You know, we have a schedule, right? We want to eat breakfast in the morning, lunch at noon, dinner at 5 or 6, you know, and at our house, sometimes it's 8.30, but that's okay. We do what we... We, we do what we have to do. But timing is important. We, at our old house, the neighbor's kids, the teenage kids, and maybe a little older, had a band, right? Okay, had they practiced in the middle of the night, that would not have been okay with us. See, timing is everything. But not for God. There is no timing with him. He's good with any time. Just bother him whenever you want, you know, because it's not a bother. It's never a bother for him. He just wants to hear from you. He's excited, you know, uh, in the, my dad passed away recently, and, and uh, 
you know, we heard from quite a few relatives. We heard from my cousin Deb out in, uh, in uh, Oregon. We were excited to hear from her. She's fun. She's a great person. See, God's excited to hear from you. He can't wait to hear from you. Think about it. And he wants you to succeed, you know. Hebrews 7.25 says this. I'm just going to read it to you. Therefore, he is able to save forever or save completely those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for us. You see that? He lives to make intercession for you. He can't wait. He's excited about helping you and standing with you. But you know what? The Bible says in, in Psalm 50, if you were to look there, it says, he says, call to me in the day of trouble. Who, who, who's the subject there? It's implied. You call to me. See, see there's, a, there's a whole lot of things that never happen in this world because people never ask. What does the word say? You have not because you ask not. And, and why, why? Why can't God just take care of it? Well, okay. If you're married, does your spouse read your mind? I doubt it. <laughs> have you ever gotten mad at your spouse because they didn't do something that you never asked them to do and there's no way they could possibly know that you wanted it done? Yes, you probably have if you're married. And, and if you're not married, you probably have done that to somebody else. But, but you know, get over that. Move on and ask. That's what God said to do. Now, it says he knows what we need before we ask, so you're not going to be surprised by what you ask. You're not going to be surprised by what you tell him. Hello. Some people, well, I can't talk to God about that, really. Yeah. Yeah, you could. He already knows. He's not surprised. See, he didn't fall off the throne when you told him. You know, he wasn't, no, he doesn't have that, you know, that home alone face when you tell him, you know, none of that's happening. He, he's just there. You know, the... But, you know, Matthew 6, we know this one. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you seek him first, if you seek first the kingdom, right, then you're going to be in a place where you can be of value to people around you. More value, okay? You know, it, it's like if you've ever been on, a, on an airplane, and those pre-flight instructions, you know, say if there's a sudden drop in oxygen in the plane, the mask is going to fall down. What do they say? Put the mask on you first and then help your dependents. Well, that's, that's wrong. You should, do, you should get the mask on your kid first. Yes, well, you pass out and your kid then passes out because you weren't able to help them first. No, 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 no. No, you help. You seek first the kingdom and then you're going to be earthly good. Does that make sense? You know, until you get yourself in a place where you're able to, to, to be a servant to other people, you're not going to be much of a servant. How do you get there? By seeking first the kingdom, by seeking first God, by you taking that time and just stopping and being with him. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's been seasons where I would spend extra time praying, praying in tongues, I mean, hours and hours and hours and hours. I'm talking about not, not just a minute here or there. I'll tell you what, when you start doing that, the Bible says you're praying out mysteries, right? But when you start doing that, and, 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 and it takes determination, it takes, 
you know, you setting the time aside and, and doing it. But I can tell you this. Not only did it help the situation I was in, but for months to come, there was like grace on my life. I could feel it. You know, there, there, somebody said this, that prayer's like oil. It just makes everything run more smoothly. Well, you know, you want your life to run smoothly, you got to set some time aside. If you say you're too busy, well, okay, maybe you're too busy. Maybe you're not too busy. I don't know that, but I will say this. If you feel like you're too busy, you should step back a little bit and take another look at what you're doing and why you're doing everything that you're doing. Because, because what did Jesus say in Matthew 11? He said, my yoke is and my burden is. Mm. Well, if you feel like it's just way too heavy for you to survive, then you need to kind of stop and back up and go, wait a minute, what's going on here? Uh, John Olstein, who's Joel Osteen's father, uh, he, he laughed and he goes, Brother Higgins always talking about all these visions he's had. He goes, I, I only had one vision in my whole life. And, and he, he said, this was a vision though. He was alongside of a road and Jesus was there. And he said, this over here, and it was pretty big. He goes, this is the burden. He had a, John Olstein had a huge church, you know, 11,000 people and and, uh, you know, he wrote books and he was doing all these, he was doing a lot for God. Now, Joel, his son has taken that church, I think doubled or tripled the size of it. And, you know, it's whatever. But, but John was doing a huge ministry, especially for his day. And, and the Lord said, that's your burden over there. I want you to go grab that, take hold of that. And uh, so in the vision, John walked over and, and there was his burden. And, and when he touched it, it, it was so lightweight that it started, he couldn't hardly get his hands on it. It was getting away from him because it was so lightweight and, and so, uh, he couldn't even get his hands on it because it was so light. And he goes, got it. He, he's, he's like, Jesus, okay, I get that that's my burden, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels heavy. And he goes, yeah, that's because you're doing a whole bunch of stuff I never told you to do. Now, is that you? I don't know. That was John Olstein. But you know what? We, could, we should all just kind of take a little bit of an inventory of where we're at and what's going on in our lives and, and, and make sure that isn't us. You know what I'm saying? Because, because if, if you're too busy doing too many things that God never told you to do, then how are you going to be able to put all of your energy and, and focus into the stuff you are supposed to do? Um, yeah, you know, you know, I, I, I think that as we learn to do first things first, we're going to become more and more productive. I, we were so proud of Jake. I don't know. I don't know where Jake went, but Jake, who did the youth announcement, we were so proud of him as he was growing up because, because he learned really young, amazingly to, as soon as he got homework to just get it done. And, and so while his friends were all procrastinating and stressed because they had all these projects and homework to do, Jake was, Jake was done. And, there, you know, there's no stress in that. But, but that comes from learning to discipline ourselves. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and discipline. 
and us learning to discipline ourselves. Do you, do you understand that God is not going to show up at your door? Uh, Sharon, I'll pick on Sharon. She won't mind. God's not going to show up at your door and, and I'm going to borrow this and go, okay, Sharon, here's your schedule. Now, at 8 a.m., you read the word. At 8.30, you can take some time and pray. At 8.45, I want you to eat breakfast, okay? And, and then here's the things I want you to do in the morning, and then I want you to eat lunch. Okay, you understand he's never going to do that. It's, it's about you figuring those things out. I, don't, I assume they were joking. They may not have been joking, but I heard a speaker say that you know, he, had, uh, he had heard a, a, a female minister say that you know, when she got up in the morning, she'd go to her closet and open her closet and say, Lord, what do you want me to wear today? And, uh, and she'd say, yeah, and the Lord would tell me what to wear. And so this minister said, well, that sounded interesting, so it's a guy. So he said, so I thought I'd try that. And so he, he went to the closet and opened up the door, and he said, okay, Lord, what do, you, <laughs> what do you want me to wear this morning? And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, I'm your father, not your mother. Dress yourself. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, so, so the point is here is that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control or discipline. All right, so discipline yourself. No one's going to do it for you. All right, you know we have uh, we we still we we have my wife's great nephews living with us temporarily, just till next week maybe. But uh, they've been with us quite a bit of this year. And uh, you know if if we don't tell them to go to bed, they'll stay up half the night playing video games. Well, you know, and then. And then they wonder why they're tired the next day. See, they're kids. They don't have any discipline. And, and you know, interestingly enough, uh, Lucy has discovered this, that God created children with an, a natural lack of self-control. He made them that way. And it's our job to teach them self-control and self-discipline and how to live life, okay? But sometimes we have to teach ourselves that. Hello? You know, I, I'm just going to tell you, as you stir yourself up, God will help you with your schedule. He'll help you with that self-discipline. Hello? Implication in that verse. If you don't stir yourself up, you're not going to have that self-control. You're not going to have that discipline that you would have if you do stir yourself up. How is that connected to stirring myself up spiritually? in every possible way, apparently. So we get to do that. That's, that's the joy of life, amen? All right, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about timidity, fear, and cowardice. You know, I, have you ever known somebody who was just scared of life and, and they weren't, and, 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 and if that's you, that's okay. I, I'm, I'm not beating anybody up because I've been there, all right? Uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I knew a guy who, he's like, well, you know, you ask him, why aren't you working? <laughs> well, God hasn't showed me what to do yet. Oh, you know, you want to do baseball bat therapy on somebody like that. Um, <laughs> you know, he's 27 years old and not working because God hasn't told him what to do. Go get yourself a job. There's like help wanted signs on every door that you walk in these days, right? You know, go get yourself a job. If God wants you to do something different, he'll tell you. But in the meantime, get off your backside and stop watching TV. Well, I'm just spending time with the Lord. No, you're not. 
if you were spending time with the Lord, he'd tell you to go get a job. Anyway, <laughs> did I say that with my outside voice? Oops. <laughs> no, I will not apologize for that. You know, we don't have to wait for a sign to get out of bed and a word from God to move forward, okay? It's just time to move forward. I, I, you know, I tell people this. You know, it's like, okay, you just go in the direction you're going. If God wants you to do something else, he'll tell you, turn that way. Okay, I'll go that way. And then you just keep going that way, and, and you just keep going that way until he tells you to do something else. Because, you know, really, okay, I, I'm 60 years old, and how many times has God actually supernaturally changed my direction? Not that many in, a, in that period of time. Now, if I, if I started to recount them, I'd be like, well, this and this and this and this and this and this. Okay, but still, you know, what is that? Once every five years, maybe, where he's changed my direction. I've been here. I've been at, at Faith Family Church since 2009. And, and so, you know, and, and as soon as the Lord wants me, wants us to do something different, if that day ever comes, he'll tell us. But, you know, we're, we're here. We went last, was it two years ago in the fall? We went and spoke at a church down in, uh, in uh, southern Missouri, and, and several people asked us, so when are you guys leaving? We're like, I'm sorry? Because I, I didn't connect it. They're like, well, you went, and you went to that church, and you're going to go down there, right? No, we just went and spoke there, okay? Actually, we're going to go speak there again. There's Jake. We were just talking about you. <laughs> You'll have to watch the uh, sermon online to know what was said. Anyway, <laughs> see, there's ways to get people to go online and look at things. See, you just do that, and, and uh, anyway, you know... I, I want, think about this, you know, think about this along that line, you know, how many times does the Bible say that God specifically told Paul where to go next? Doesn't. One time, Macedonia is the only time I can remember off the top of my head that he told Paul specifically, I want you to go here. Otherwise, Paul just did what the rest of us have to do. You just got to be led by your spirit, man. It's like, well, I'm going to go here. There was a couple, you know, like, you know, it says in that passage in Acts where he was talking about going to Macedonia, it says we, we, we're going to go here, but the Spirit of God wouldn't let us. Well, what does that mean? That means right here, he's like, eh, that's not the right thing to do. And then it says they tried something else, and that didn't work. So then the Lord spoke to him supernaturally in a vision, I think it was, or a dream, I don't remember, and, and said, go to Macedonia. So, so they went, but how many times does it say that happened? It doesn't. No, he just lived his life. Okay, we're going to go to this city. Nobody's been there. We're going to go to this city next. And, you know, if the Lord wanted him to do something different, he'd tell him. You know, don't worry about that. Don't sit at home waiting for a sign from God. Don't think he's going to come and tell you to go get a job when you just know you need to go get a job, right? But uh, <clears throat> in, in, in Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the end times. Why don't you turn there? Uh, Matthew chapter 24, the disciples had come to Jesus and said, what's the sign, what's going to be the sign of the end of times and, uh, and your return, your coming back? And uh, verse, um, verse 4, let's start there. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. Do you see this part? 
See that you are not frightened. You see that? God has not given us a spirit of fear. Don't be frightened. He's given us power and love and of a sound mind. That means that you, by the Spirit of God, are able to face absolutely anything that's coming up. All right? You've got power, you've got love, and you've got a sound mind. Well, I don't feel too sound. No, Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. Didn't he say that? Well, I don't feel like I have the mind of Christ. That has absolutely not so much as one thing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it. You have the mind of Christ. If you're born again, if you're a Christian, you have the mind of Christ. And he said, you, now notice again, implied subject, you see to it that you are not frightened. Well, how do I do that? We talked about that a little bit Wednesday night. Sometimes you just need to let it go. You can let fear go. He wouldn't have told us to do something we couldn't do. Do you understand that? If I, if I, if I told, uh, if I told uh, uh, Kathy, can I pick on Kathy? Sure. If I told Kathy to go climb Mount Everest, do you think you could do that? I tried. You would try? <laughs> she would, probably. <laughs> but... But she, she may be like, well, okay, first of all, how am I going to get to Tibet? And you know what I mean? There'd be like, okay, I don't, I, you know, she may or may not really, you know what I'm saying? But if you told me to go climb Mount Everest, I'd be like, mm, no, I'm not doing that. I, the last time I went to Colorado, it, you know, I used to live out there and you get adjusted to it. And then when you come back down, like when I moved back to Nebraska, I'd be like, I can run for miles. This is crazy because you're adjusted to that lower oxygen level. But, but if you're not used to that, that low oxygen level, you know, a lot of times people have to use oxygen and stuff like that to climb Mount Everest. But, but you know, God's not going to ask you to do something that would be difficult or impossible. Let's just say that. He's not going to ask you to do something that would be impossible for you to do because that wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be fair, you know, if you're an employer and you were asking your employees to do things that are not possible to do, you wouldn't be much of an employer. God has never asked us to do anything that we couldn't do. So when he says, see to it that you are not frightened, you got to just stop fear in its tracks. Can you let that go? Yeah, you can, or, or he didn't tell the truth here. So, yeah, but I don't know how to let go of that. Well, he'll show you. He'll walk you right through it, but you can let fear go and not be afraid because God doesn't want you to be afraid. We are, we have that spirit, that spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's, there's, there's boldness there. There's no timidity there. There's no fear there. There's no cowardice there. We got to let that go. Let's talk about the power for a second. Power. You know, we're a walking battery. Did you know that? The power of God's in us. Romans 8 tells us, if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, does he? Yeah, he dwells in you. And, and you know what? That's an unlimited power source. That's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He's right inside of you. And, and there's no lack of power there. There's no lack of anything there. Yeah, but I don't feel strong. Well, that, that doesn't mean you're not strong. Psalm 27, we sang that song this morning based off of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came upon me to eat at my flesh, they stumbled and fell. The host should rise against me. My heart will not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord 
all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Do you know that power of God is resting on you. He is setting you in a place where they can't touch you, they can't hurt you, they can't get near you. Put in your notes Psalm 31. Go read that. Put in your notes Psalm 50. Read that. They can't touch you. They can't hurt you. They can't harm you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. That is uh, Isaiah 54. Go read that. Nothing can harm you. Luke 11. You're a walking battery. Amen. Now, does that power that, you, that you're walking in, does that look like, you know, uh, the rock? No, probably not. In Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 30, it says this, For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. It's not an in-your-face kind of power. In fact, you can't even feel it. You can't even know it's there, and that doesn't matter because it's still there. I, I bought a house down in Tulsa to flip with a buddy of mine, and, uh, and the house had had an in-ground pool, and the, the, the filter system took uh, 220 power, and when we went to... And, but they had filled in the pool and torn the pool out, and... Uh, and, uh, but they'd left the wiring and everything was there. And when we went to uh, tear that out, we realized there was a 220 wire just hanging there on the outside of the house. And the breaker was on. It was live. These people had children. You want to smack people like that. But, uh, you know, that was extremely dangerous. Hello. 220. That'll, that'll knock your socks off. Uh, but, uh, but, you know what? We're just like that wire. We're live with power, but we can't feel it. You could look at that wire. You didn't know there was anything there. Didn't know that if you went over there, you'd have the jolt of your life. Uh, you didn't know that. You would have needed to go see Dr. Dave in a hurry. <laughs> I don't know if you could have fixed him. <laughs> but, but the point is, is that, that, that God has given you a spirit of power. You know, when, when somebody comes to you and their life's a mess and they need help, you know what? you got power inside of you to help with that. You know, if they come to you and they're sick, you know, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead was residing in you. You can lay hands on them and pray for them. Well, what if they don't get healed? Well, what if they do? Hello. Oh, it, it, you know, you're not the healer anyway. You're just a conduit for the power. And so, you know what? If, if, you know, it cannot possibly hurt them for you to lay hands on them and pray for them. It can't possibly hurt you. And it could really, really help them. So be bold, you know? Now, is, is everybody in a place where they're comfortable to do that? Probably not. But you know what? That's what we talked about earlier, being a witness. All you do is just tell them something you know, all right? You ever been healed? Well, then, if Zach's sick, I can lay hands on him and pray for him and, and, and believe God that he's going to get well. Is he going to get well? Well, he could probably stop that if he wanted to by his doubt and unbelief, but that doesn't mean I don't pray for him. You know, I, I don't worry about what he does with it. I just, I got power. 
in Jesus, I can do whatever. All right. You know, Paul said this in Romans chapter 116. I am not ashamed of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. That word salvation means healing, deliverance, restoration, finances, whatever you need. The power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So you know what? God, God says you got it. And why would you want to be ashamed of it? You know, you've got that power in you. You know, John, John, back here quietly in the corner, works down at the med center. And if people need prayer and are willing to accept prayer, he prays for them. He gets them saved. He gets them straightened out if he can, you know. But, but you know, he's not shy about who he is. You know, it's like, this is who I am. I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. I'm a walking conduit for God's power. You know, sometimes I just want to, I want to remind you of this. You know, sometimes that power is active. Sometimes it's, it's I'm going to use the word passive because I don't know how else to say it. Because you think about that, you know, uh, Paul, Peter's shadow, people got healed. He didn't do a thing. You understand that? See, see God's power is on you. It's with you. You don't even have to necessarily do anything. You know, think about Jesus the woman with the issue of blood, you know, came up and grabbed hold of his garment and got healed instantly. And he said, who touched me? So, you know, he didn't do it. Not directly, did he? No, it was just the power of God that was resting on him. So he was like, he goes, I felt power go out for me. So who took it? Somebody took hold. Who was it? And finally she came up and, you know, and, and said she did it. But, but that's not the only time, you know, think about, uh, when they threw that dead body in with Elijah's bones and it hit his bones and the guy was instantly raised from the dead. Well, that power is just in you. You can't help that. You can't stop it. It's there. So why not put it to work? Amen. Have you ever heard the old jokes? And, oh, I got to stop here. Anyway, uh, have you ever heard the old joke about the, the old man who said, I you know, went to the the, the farm equipment store, and he goes, yeah, my friends tell me there's this thing called a chainsaw that's going to make my work a lot easier, so I want to get one. So he bought a chainsaw, took it home, and a couple days later, he brought it back. He goes, this thing don't work. It's worse than my other saw. And the guy goes, really? And he, so the guy, go, you know, the, the guy behind the counter grabs it and pulls the cord, starts it up. The old man goes, what's that noise? <laughs> get that? So... The, the, the chainsaw was fine. The chainsaw was working good. So are you. You're just fine. The power of God's on you. But you know what? You've got to make a decision. You're going to touch a life with it somewhere. Okay? All right. Last thing we're going to talk about real quickly, because we are completely out of time, is, is love. You know, we want to make sure that, uh, that, that we uh, serve one another in love. Uh, Galatians 5.13 says this, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Galatians 6, another chapter later, verse 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, but in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, you listening? While we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially those of the household of faith. You know, God poured out his love, according to Romans 5.5. 5. He poured out his love into our hearts. And, uh, you know, we, we looked at Matthew 24. You know, don't let that love grow cold. See to it 
that your love doesn't grow cold because there's a lost and dying world out there, people who need you, need your love, need the love of God, and we are conduits for that and his power. And so anything that they're dealing with, anything they need, we can help them with. Amen?